Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Big Cruise Podcast. This is episode 55, recorded on Friday, the 14th of May. My name is Baz, I am your host. And uh, today's show is pretty much me and Chris again, but it's uh, quite a full show. Lots of cruise news to get to. But first of all, a quick update and an apology, really, because the uh, the show notes page that we often refer to in the podcast last week's episode, we had a few issues with the show notes page, and for whatever reason, it wouldn't populate. Um, we, we have hopefully rectified that, and by the time you are listening to this, both the show notes for episode 54 and also this episode 55 should be live and uh, viewable by yourself. So uh, thank you for Morgan for, for sending that through and apologies that you couldn't see the information that you wanted to see there. Um, I have got a little request. Um, and if you only do one thing this week, if you can do me a little favor, wherever you are listening to this podcast, whatever directory you choose to listen to podcasts to, if you could just leave us a quick review. Uh, give us a, a star rating, give us a little comment, tell people why you like us, uh, because by doing so, it really just encourages people to, to have a little look. And uh, we have said in the past, if you can send it on to a friend that uh, you think will like it, do so. But uh, this week, all I'm asking for is a little a little star review and a little comment to say uh, why you like the Big Cruise podcast so much. And uh, thanks in advance for, for doing that for us. Um, as I mentioned, uh, Chris will be joining us in just a second. He's got a, a great round of uh, maritime history. Uh, we're talking about a ship that's just been saved. Literally, news came in just overnight. And um, that forms maritime history. And then a whole heap of cruise news. Very, very exciting. But most exciting, if you're listening to this in the UK, um, by the time you're listening to this, chances are cruising has restarted. As we know, uh, from the 17th of May, travel is kind of rebounding in the UK, and uh, we're very jealous. So if you are going out on a cruise in the not-too-distant future, and you're comfortable joining the conversation, having a little review, and uh, talking to us, then uh, head to our website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. 
click on join the show tell us what ship you're traveling on when and let's uh make a little schedule to uh, to have a chat have a conversation about your your cruise experience uh, post covid we'd uh, we'd love you to be a part of the show and likewise if you've got a question send it through in the same manner but let's have a little sting of music and then head straight over and join chris frame for today's show thanks and enjoy and it's friday so it's always time to welcome our good friend back into the studio, Chris Frame, maritime historian and all things cruise news. Welcome back, Chris. Yeah, it's good to be back. Another too, another Friday, so Bess. <laughs> another Friday, another bumper week of cruise news. Yes, for sure. And uh, some news overnight that kind of inspired uh, your kind of maritime history section mm. because Pacific Dawn has been rescued and will be rising from the ashes. I know. And it's not that often that you hear, particularly these times, of a ship mm. that has been effectively sold for scrap being um, being rescued. And, of course, Pacific Dawn is one of two ships of the same design. The other one was Pacific Jewel. They both started their mm-hmm. careers, as you, as you know, um, with princess cruisers and um, were designed by a famous Italian architect with the um, idea of their forward profiles resembling a bottlenose dolphin. So mm-hmm. if you see them, well... You see Pacific Dawn because sadly Jewel has gone off to be scraps and her forward profile has now been cut open um, on yep. the beaches. But um, Pacific Dawn had that very unique appearance. Um, she was sold, um, tentatively sold to, to sail with CMV, but when CMV collapsed, she was retained by P&O Australia and was then on sold to become a floating cryptocurrency community mm. in Panama. A little bit different. Yeah. Um, but that venture fell through, and they actually announced that um, the, the the new owners announced that she would sadly be going off to to India to be scrapped. We all expected to see her arrive alongside her sister ship, and that would have been a very tragic sight. But as you say, um, the from the ashes of all that, um, she has now been um, saved, and she will sail again from next year with a brand new cruise line called Ambassador Cruise Line. And they'll be yeah. doing um, voyages out of the UK, and she's going to be renamed Ambience. Yeah, um, very interesting. Yeah, and like the artist renditions of of her, she's she's um, wearing a, a new purple and green livery, which is a very interesting color scheme. I've never seen that on a cruise ship before. So <clears throat> it'll be um, um, and and they're kind of positioning this new brand. It's, it's run by a, a series of former CMV executives, and they're um. They're positioning it as the uh, uh, sort of the over 55s more sort of uh, classic cruise ship sort of experience, but it got me thinking. And when we were talking um, earlier today, Baz, about mm-hmm. other ships that were sort of saved from the brink um, throughout history, um, what one that comes to mind is the um, Cunard liner Berengaria, which okay. um, yeah, so she started her her career actually as a as a German liner sailing for um, Hamburg America Line, and she was named Imperator. She was actually um, launched in 1912. She was the largest ship in the world when she was launched. Um, but after World War One, she ended up um, operating for, for Cunard um, as war reparations for the loss of Lusitania, which we spoke about last week. Um, mm-hmm. And they renamed her Berengaria, um, named after um, the Queen Consort of Richard the Lionheart. So... 
Mm-hmm. It had the Cunard IA ending, but it also was a bit of a different name. It not, wasn't named after a Roman province like most of the names were. And um, yeah. in the 1930s, uh, after Cunard and White Star merged, there was uh, an excess of ships, and it looked like Berengaria, um, which had which had sort of been plagued by some electrical problems, was going to be withdrawn. And uh, she was uh, sort of put aside with the expectation that she'd be scrapped. And in her place, the Majestic, which was her, her former sister ship from the Hamburg America days um, and was a White Star Line ship, the Majestic was supposed to sail on in tandem with Queen Mary until Queen Elizabeth was bought, uh, brought into service. Mm. But um, at the, you know, the 11th hour, they changed their minds and they decided to keep the, the Cunard ship in service and uh, Majestic was sold. So Berengaria was, was saved um, briefly um, until 1938 yeah. and she did end up going off to the, to the scrapyard. Another very famous ship that was was saved from um, potential um, breaking up uh, was the Ocean Liner France, and <clears throat> she was built in the 1960s as a as a true ocean liner. No cruising um, considerations made with France. It was sort of a statement piece, um, a very big ship, the longest ship in the world at the time. Um, and when she was very heavily subsidised by the French government, um, as sort of like this showcase of all the great greatness of France. But when the government decided to pull the, the funding and uh, invest in the Concorde program, the, the France ship was um, was laid up. And, you know, she sort of lingered there for a while and it looked like maybe there wouldn't be a future for her in the age of um, jet aircraft. But she was purchased by the founders of Norwegian Cruise Line and converted into the Norway and became a highly successful cruise ship, the largest cruise ship in the world at the time, and um, actually sailed with them until 2003. Um, and wow, then, that yeah, I know, like all the way until the 2000s. And, and, and she actually only got withdrawn from service because there was a, a, a very tragic um, a boiler room um, explosion, which, um, which um, caused the ship to be withdrawn. And eventually she, she too was scrapped. But she, she had a long um, career with Norwegian Cruise Line <clears throat> uh, before, before her ultimate demise. Um, another couple that just sort of honorable mentions, I suppose. Is the PO liner Canberra, which sailed for very for a very long time. Yeah. Very early in her career, it looked like she might be um, withdrawn. She when when PO realized that line voyages were no longer going to be viable. Yeah. Uh, they tried to operate Canberra as a uh, cruise ship in the American market, but it was a complete disaster. And they actually had plans to withdraw her and and sell her off, and um, and replace her on their lineup with an older ship that they had called the Orsova. But um, at the uh, at the last minute, they, they they changed their minds, and actually operated Canberra as a cruise ship out of the UK, and she became very successful and and went on yeah. to sail until two thousand uh, sorry rather until nineteen ninety seven. So she had a long career as well. Um, and again, Canberra was ultimately scrapped, but but many years after it was expected um, that she yeah. that she might be. And then there are a few that have been saved from even the possibility. Um, well. At least, at least we hope <laughs> from even the possibility of scrap. So there's the, there's the Rotterdam, which was a famous Holland America line ship, of course, um, and she is a permanent floating hotel in in the city of Rotterdam. This was the one that was built in 1959, the last of the um, the Grand Dame. Yeah, the last of that. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and the the sort of dual purpose liner that they they built into that design. Um, and she's she's well during normal times anyway. She's a very popular hotel there in in the city of Rotterdam. And then there's a QE2, of course, which um, was retired from service in 2008, but uh, only because she'd been bought by the city of Dubai 
Um, and she's currently operating in Dubai as a floating hotel. And so if it all goes well with the two hotel ships, um, they should they should remain uh, safe from the scrappers for, for quite some time. Brilliant. And have you heard any more on uh, Queen Mary? Is she... So she yeah, was, she was in a little bit of trouble. Wasn't the she? Queen Mary, the operators of the Queen Mary, as last I heard, ha, have gone, um, uh, have have ceased operations. But the Queen Mary itself is owned by the city um, of Long oh, okay. Beach. So um, there's been quite a lot of chatter about what's the future of the ship. But there's been a, n- a number of operators of Queen Mary over the years, and some have been successful, and others haven't. And so I think, you know, with the COVID situation, the ship was closed anyway. It's pretty unviable yeah. to have a um, a hotel ship operating when it's closed. So um, uh, we'll see, I guess, what will happen to her after after the COVID restrictions ease up a bit. Mm, interesting. As always, very, very interesting in the, the maritime uh, history section. So thanks for that, Chris. No worries. Um, I've got a little bit of news here, which actually I didn't put in the show notes, mm-hmm. um, but I thought it's important to share with the listeners, for, particularly for those of you that are in Australia. Um, Clear, which is, of course, the, the global organization responsible for, for cruising in general, um, they've set up a new campaign and they're really encouraging anybody that has got any inclination to support the cruise industry to get behind it. It's called Ready, Set, Sail. Um, and it's basically an opportunity for you to um, automatically send letters to your local MPs, to the various ministers of different departments, to ask them to start the conversation about the restart of cruising. So um, if you are here in Australia, um, jump on the website, head into the show notes section of this episode, and there is a link there for you to be able to do so. It literally takes 30 seconds. You can personalize it if you want to, or just use a standard template that's there. But uh, I did it myself uh, just 24 hours ago, and I've already had responses from almost everybody that uh, that my letter was sent to. So uh, please, please try and help if you can. Now let's uh, head straight into cruise news, Chris. We've got a whole, whole heap of news, but this first one is a real good news story mm. for anybody that's familiar with Mercy Ships, of course. Yes, so it's um, the largest civilian hospital ship operation in um, in the world, and their newest ship is called Global Mercy, which itself is the largest civilian hospital ship that's been put into service. And of course, there's military hospital ships as well, but we're talking about civilian yeah. ones here. Um, so it's been built in northern China and it's completed its um, sea trials and has basically passed. <laughs> um, so she'll be delivered to the um, the operator, Mercy Ships, um, when she makes her way over to Antwerp in Belgium on its first voyage. Um, she'll then be sort of prepared with crew and all that for her first mission, I guess, which is um, in West Africa. Now, the ship itself has six operating theatres. Um, it's got, you know, a pathology lab. It's got patient clinics. It's got um, the ability to operate and do things like eye care and dental care. Um, yeah, yeah. They can accommodate up to 950 people, um, of which, you know, a good portion of those are crew. Um, but in addition to that, in terms of hospital beds, it's got 200 hospital beds on board. So it's basically like a big hospital sort of pulling into your local area yeah. um, and will we'll create a great deal of um, uh, support for, for all those people. Yeah, no, it's incredible. And a lot of the, the doctors, nurses, and even the crew members are, are volunteers that, uh, that help the, the various ships for Mercy Ships to, to get around the world to these places that need uh, vital assistance. And again, it is a charity. So if you want to support that, I will, of course, put the uh, the show notes yeah. uh, and a little bit more information in there for you if, uh, if you're interested. 
Now, let's head into a bumper edition of different cruise news for the various cruise lines, starting off with Carnival, who've announced a possible restart plan for the US. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like a restart plan that's announced in conjunction with cancellations. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it's sort of like um, you, you've got to look through the, all the detail to, to work out exactly what's going on. But basically, um, there's still issues, obviously, with restarting in America with the CDC guidance. Um, mm-hmm. So Carnival has um, announced that they're going to be cancelling um, a series of sailings up until the 30th of July, but mm-hmm. they have said they are hoping to start cruises with three of their ships from both Texas ports and Florida ports. And those ships are the Carnival Horizon, which would be based in Miami, um, mm-hmm. and then Carnival uh, Breeze and Vista both will be at Galveston in Texas. Now, mm-hmm. this is in addition to their um, extra plan. If they can figure out a way to get Alaska to work, because of course Canada has closed yeah. its its ports, um, then they would they would um, resume Alaska. I think they said using Carnival Spirit, if I if I remember correctly. Um, uh, miracle, I miracle, think, is a miracle. Yeah. Um, and um, but basically, in addition to that, then of course there's the, there's a flip side where they've cancelled all sailings on other ships until the end of July. Um, but those people who are affected will be eligible for their future cruise credits, of course. Um, and that's just, I think, something that's ongoing whilst they're trying to work out how to make the various CDC guidances work on board the ships. Um, you know, it's interesting to see the different jurisdictions and how they're all handling it slightly differently as as the yeah. UK reopens. There's still, you know, significant roadblocks and, and, and issues in, in other areas as well. Yeah, because of course the UK does uh, this weekend, I believe, yeah, the 17th, yep, was, uh, coming the, re- up. the restart date. And as we know, uh, some of our friends over there are heading off on cruises in the next couple of weeks, so hopefully we'll get to, to hear from yeah, them. Yeah, we're going to li- um, live, live uh, from a distance through their <laughs> photos and videos. <laughs> now a little closer to home here in Australia, um, up in uh, Singapore and Taiwan, mm. of course, Dream Cruises have been operating very, very successfully mm-hmm. for quite some time now. Um, but they've just taken the decision to vaccinate over 700 crew in literally about 24 hours. Yeah, for sure. So this is their crew of the Explorer Dream, which has been cruising in Taiwan for, you know, oh, nearly well, a year in July, you know, so it's, it's been yeah. doing it for a long time. She's had over 80 voyages um, since they restarted cruising. And um, so far as I can tell, there's not been any major incidents, which is great. Um, and then basically they've said that they'll be getting all of the crew who are working on board her um, will be able to receive the AstraZeneca vaccine. So um, it's a pretty comprehensive and significant step forward in terms of vaccinating so many crew members. Um, yeah. And I, I guess it makes what seems to be a very safe operation even safer. Heading to Europe next, MSC uh, reimagining the dining experience on board uh, MSC Seashore. Yeah, so Seashore is going to be their new flagship. She's they've been looking forward to welcoming her for quite some time. She's due in um, July of this year, um, mm. and she's got um, twelve um, indoor and six outdoor dining facilities, as well as five specialty restaurants and um, four main dining rooms, um, wow. and then there's eighteen bars and lounges. You know, so, well, kind of all, it all combines into those those yeah. overarching facilities, um, and their new um, offering is is quite interesting. They they have this sort of setup called the Chef's Court, and in there mm-hmm. there's specialty dining areas or dining restaurants. So they've got a um, 
an Mexican-inspired one. They've got a American-style steakhouse. They've got a sushi bar, which even has its own conveyor belt, um, so that people can sort of have that authentic <laughs> uh, sushi. Oh, sushi train. Sushi, exactly. Um, there's an interactive dining experiences where the chefs cook on open, you know, open grills in front of passengers, um, and then they also have their signature seafood restaurant, Ocean Key. So. Um, you know, lots of different choices there, and it, it basically um, is going to sort of encompass a large part of what will be deck eight on board the ship, um, with you know those those specialty restaurants as all part of the chef's court experience. Yeah, um, I think we've both said before. We've, I don't think either of us have experienced MSC. No. And, uh, if and when we can travel again, that would be one to certainly try out for sure. For sure. Um, staying in Europe, Aida, which is of course the German cruise mm. line of the Carnival brands, um, they've opened a new. Um, sure, power plants hmm. in Germany. Yeah, throughout the pandemic, we've actually spoken a few times, you and I, about the yeah. ships that have been cold ironing where they can connect up to shoreside power. Um, and it is obviously something that more and more people are talking about with the environmental impact um, of that sort of thing. So AIDA's um, partnered with a, a number of different um, organizations and local authorities in Germany, and they've opened up the largest sort of shoreside power plant for, for the cruise ships. And Aida Sol uh, was the first to to connect up to it. Um, it currently has a an output of about um, twenty megavolts, um, so it will allow two reasonably sized cruise ships to take electricity um, from the system. And this means that when they're electrically powered from shoreside power, then they're not obviously um, uh, you know burning their their diesel fuel or, or um, liquefied natural gas fuel in the close confines of, of a cruise port. So it generally improves the air quality and, and environmental sort of signature of the of the ships. Yeah, we're definitely going to start seeing a lot more of that, I'm pretty sure, yep. uh, in various ports around the world. Uh, I think Sydney's probably yeah. also considering You definitely it. have a lot of complaints when the cruise ships come into Sydney, the people who live by, like, on the rocks area, which is above where the cruise ships are. So it, it's mm-hmm. a perfect, mm-hmm. like, seems like a perfect contender for something like that. <laughs> but at the same note, it's been a port a lot longer than uh, some of those uh, uh, residences. Well, this have been is true. Well. Sydney has been a, a <laughs> harbour for quite some time. <laughs> now, staying in Europe, our friends at Holland America Line have just completed the sea trials of the latest Rotterdam. Yes, so the latest Rotterdam, which is um, uh, one of their pinnacle class ships, um, because of course the the previous Rotterdam and, and traditionally Rotterdam is the flagship of the um, of the fleet. Um, and the previous one um, was sold, obviously, during the cruise pause to to um, Fred Olsen to become one of their new cruise ships. So they had a had a space, a gap, and uh, this particular ship was under construction at Fincantieri, and um, was was given the honour, I suppose, of being um, the next Rotterdam. Um, yeah. So she uh, will be the seventh ship <laughs> to to share that name, which is quite quite uh, you know. It's a very prestigious name within the halls of Holland America Line. Um, yeah. Now, the sea trial process is interesting because on the 25th of April, she went to sea for the first time to perform preliminary trials just to get, I guess, a feel for the ship. And then yeah. there was subsequent maintenance that was done after that, which is that sort of usual process after the first time it goes out of the dry dock. Um, and then the, the official sea trials uh, took place between the 3rd and the 6th of May. And this sort of allows the cruise line to identify if the ship is performing per specifications. Um, And then she goes back into dry dock and the final parts of the construction, like just the the trimmings, I suppose, 
are all completed and then the ship is delivered on the 30th of July. So it's nearing the end of that process now. Um, yeah. As I mentioned, she's a pinnacle class ship. She'll have 2,600 passengers and um, it's the 17th ship that Holland America has had constructed at Fincantieri. Yeah, and no, they've got a longer uh, history there with uh, the goods partners at Fincantieri. Moving from Holland America now into the realms of Crystal, and particularly with their River Cruise yeah. uh, fleets, they're, they're announcing the 2023 deployment already. I know, and my goodness, these River Cruises sound fantastic. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> far away, like 2023 and, and Europe for people who are in Australia with our border still remaining firmly shut. It seems like another world away, but uh, something to look forward to. Um, 190 different voyages, and they'll be doing, you know, of course, the European waterways, the Rhine and the Danube, um, but also waterways in the Netherlands and Belgium. Um, and there are a series of different options, I suppose, from short five-night trips, um, yep. which, you know, now it sounds just so glorious, um, to 14 <laughs> to 17-night voyages, which is basically more than half a month where you can just, you know, enjoy yourself on a, on a river cruise. And, I'm, I'm, and I've never been on a, on a, on a proper River cruise, obviously done like river cruising on in, in Australia, but not one of these like long duration European river cruises. And the more oh, I wow. hear about it, the more sort of tempting it sounds. I know there's quite a lot of videos doing big numbers on yeah. YouTube at the moment. I think well, people just love the idea of this, this relaxed lifestyle. But their ships are, are known as, or crystal ships are known as the Rhine class. Um, well, these particular ones that, that, um, that, that uh, these voyages are going to be on. They've got a, a capacity of just over 100 people. They're about 135 meters um, long, so much smaller than a, a, a ocean cruise ship, but you know, a sizable vessel for something that's operating on a river. And um, these ones here, one of the reasons why it's sort of like, you know, sounds so appealing is that they're the first all balcony um, river cruise ships in Europe. Um, with butler service, so it sounds really nice. And um, mm. you know, if you want to book something like that, it's all going on sale from the 18th of May. Yeah, they, they as you say, they've got those four um, Rhine class ships, but they've also got a different ship that I really like the look of as well, the Crystal Mozart. Mm-hmm. She's a bit older, she's a bit different. Mm. She's actually the widest river cruise vessel available anywhere, and she only sails exclusively on the Danube. And if if I could choose any, I'd probably go on her. But question for you: mm. if you could go on a river cruise, obviously you haven't done any. Yeah. Would you choose somewhere in France? Would you be on the Danube? Would you be up on the Rhine? Where, where um, takes your fancy? Yeah, you know what I think. Um, I think I might do it through Germany. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because back, back a long time ago, when when the, in the nineties, when when I first started getting interested in passenger ships, um, Cunard, which was the line that first attracted my attention, they actually used to run a fleet of river cruise ships. And their river cruise operations were, were focused on the, the German waterways. And so I guess yep. because of the exposure to that back then, the, the idea of, of that has just always been something that I've been interested in. But, you know, as I say, <laughs> Barry, at the moment, a luxury river cruise on the Murray River in Australia would be fantastic. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to be picky, <laughs> that's for sure. Okay, okay. If someone can figure out how to... Um, how to get the world fixed up, then then I'm there. <laughs> Maybe even a houseboat in Mandra might um, <laughs> for the weekend. I'll <laughs> just take a little river cruise down the down the Swan or one of those, uh, <laughs> what is it, Sydney 2000, a Captain Cook river cruise uh, um, oh, on, yeah. on, the, yeah. uh, on the Sydney Harbour would, would be just yep. amazing right now. 
Okay. <laughs> Not desperate at all, I no. promise. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Now, uh, we spoke about MSC uh, reimagining their dining experiences. Another cruise line mm. is also uh, taking it to the next level. Oceania are doing Oceania Next, which is a different areas of uh, improvement, but uh, this focus is all about dining across the entire fleet. Yeah, and of course, you know, Oceania has got that luxury angle to it which yeah very very nice Um, we actually shared the um shared the port once on a a cruise i was on in europe with with their one of their ships serena and it um you know it looks looks beautiful of course they've got the r-class ships which are of a very high standard anyway but this um oceana next program is basically designed to sort of boost what is already um uh, I think a pretty well respected and um, and yeah. diverse thing. So they've their ships have got a thing called the grand dining room, which is like their main uh, fancy dining room, I suppose. Um, and they've got a whole heap of new options that are coming into the menu. Um, things like um, you know Medit- crispy Mediterranean vegetable tarts and um, braised black cod and grilled prime rib and mushroom risotto and um, cannelloni and you know all sorts of other things that they're that they're offering there. Getting hungry just thinking about it. Um, we should have maybe warned people. <laughs> yeah, second. yeah. Welcome to the Big News uh, Cruise Podcast. Bring your lunch. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then they've also got uh, sort of other, I guess, experiences that they're offering. Baz, such as a, a noodle bar and a taco corner. Tacos seem really popular on cruise ships on the on the restart. Yeah, I must yeah. say. Um, and having been to Mexico and actually eaten. What what is a real taco? You know the the <laughs> stuff we get at the supermarket is not a taco. Um, so yeah. it'd be interesting to see how the cruise lines actually you know present a present a taco. <laughs> um, but they've got um, you know they've got their terrace cafes and their waves grill with new new menus. They've got a um, revitalized canapé selection for their evenings, um, which of course forms part of that ritual before before dinner um, and. That this doesn't just cover the evening meal, of course, it also covers lunch and breakfast as well with the way they're changing things around. So, for example, um, the Terrace Cafe that on board the ships, they've expanded um, to have a lunch offering which will feature local fish from the markets or areas that you're cruising in and then things like, um, you know, if, you're in, if you're in the right region, things like sausages and marinated meats and that sort of thing. So if that's, your, if that's what um, suits your palate, You'll definitely enjoy it, but there's so many other options that I think you'll be able to find something from smoothie bars to salad bars to everything, you know, so it sounds really cool. Yeah. It's one of those items where we've got so much information, you really need to look at the show. Yeah. The list goes on and on and on. But something just jumped out at me, which I think might appeal to you. They've got a taco trilogy. Oh, my goodness. You can eat one with each Star Wars movie. And I'm only referring to the originals, of course. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the same brand, of course, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings own Oceania, mm. but uh, Norwegian themselves um, this week announced and uh, big fanfare, and the images do look out of this world, the much-awaited, much-anticipated Norwegian Prima. Yes, and now it's very interesting with this one because Norwegian Prima is the – it's got that – new take on the bow that they're using on ships which is like a flat bow a bit like the titanic era and Mm -hmm. none of the ships so far that have used that have have looked visually appealing to me at all but what's different with norwegian is that they have a long history of using the hull art and on this ship they've done it to quite an amazing um extent at least in the in the renditions um in that it's it's going to be designed by an Italian graffiti artist. 
and it actually extends not just on the bow but all the way up into the forward superstructure of the ship, which sort of pulls your eye away from the flatness of the front of the ship and gives it a completely unique dimension. So definitely jump on the show notes, and I'm sure Baz will have a, yeah, a link to some pictures or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, the other thing that's interesting is in, in this world of the cruise lines going bigger, 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 um, she's like a little bit smaller than some of the biggest ships that are coming out. But with that comes the ability to offer so maybe a slightly more sort of refined product. So she's the first of six ships in the class, which is just remarkable. The investment in that is yeah. just staggering. <laughs> um, hmm. Should be 294 meters long uh, and 140, um, 142, I think, gross tons with a 3,200 guest capacity. So, like, by no means breaking size barriers, but a lot of people don't necessarily want to go on the biggest ships in the world. So, it is, it is yeah. nice. But on board the ship, they have put a lot of effort into making open spaces and, and views, making sure there's lots of access to ocean views from the number of ocean view cabins, the number of balconies, to the fact that there's lots of glass used throughout the, the design of the ship. Um, and then also they've elevated um, and improved a few of the signature, I guess, Norwegian offerings. So, for example, the Haven, which is their sort of luxury precinct. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see it quite yeah. easily on some of the ships because it's literally like a block of flats on top of um, Norwegian Epic, for example. <laughs> but but here it's blended in much better. Um, and um, it has it's like they they they've got eight decks of suites basically um and it has a restaurant it has its own bar and lounge so it's kind of a little bit like a ship within a ship sort of feature yep. um and then the other thing that really got my attention was their outdoor um, living areas they've kind of got like an outdoor feeling on board the ship and there's over 4000 square meters of decks and open areas and um, expansive sort of like promenades for you to just enjoy the ocean, which to be honest with you is one of the things I'm missing the most about having not been on a cruise yeah. ship for, you know, 14, 15 months, whatever it is. Um, just this standing there and seeing the ocean go past, like, I don't know about you, Baz, it's but almost I miss like it. <laughs> NCL of, uh, it's almost like NCL have kind of reconnected with the water because as nice as some of their more recent ships have mm. been, when you're on board, it's all about the, the bells and whistles yeah. and you kind of get a bit distracted and forget that you are on a ship on a beautiful ocean so it's great to see that this has become more reverting back to being you know on a ship looking at the ocean enjoying the destination and uh, the the great outdoors yeah it was interesting actually a long long time ago now 2008 when i was on my final voyage on qe2 and you know what she was like an old classic ship with Mm -hmm. big promenades and lots of open deck space and no balcony no one 32 balconies so everyone was out on deck and we went into a one one of the ports and the norwegian jade was alongside us and we're looking at like we're looking at her and you know she's got the, the hull art and she's all sort of um glitzy and that sort of thing and on the deck even they've got like drawings of people and stuff on the on the promenade yeah and yeah. like we're on the qe2 which is the most famous ship in the world and we're looking at this ship and there's no one to be seen and then when you pay attention a bit more they're all standing inside behind these windows on their balconies looking at the qe2 but there's no one out on deck because the ship has as you say that kind of like internal Yep. feeling where it really does sound like this this new one is very much connecting back with with the ocean um yep. which i think is great and the other thing we should probably mention is that is, is that they've announced her um her itineraries uh baz yep. so you know from 2022 there'll be bermuda and the caribbean there's going to be western caribbean voyages there's going to be 
um, trips to Northern Europe. So there's lots of different options, um, which I'm sure you'll include in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, no, there is. In fact, there's two pages of A4 of show notes on this new ship because there was so much information that I just didn't want to leave, leave anything yeah, else. Yeah, a little uh, bit too much to talk through in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've got some uh, images, or certainly the renderings of what uh, yep. Norwegian have provided, is what the ship is intended to look like when she launches. But uh, we'll keep a close eye, on eye, close eye on her and see uh, how she develops, as we do with all of the uh, the, the new developments. Yeah, that's all we've got for in the the cruise news. But um, have you got any videos out uh, this weekend? Yeah, new on the this weekend I'll just be doing. It's kind of a short update, really, about what's happening with um, the ambience, the the former Pacific uh, Pacific yep. Dawn. You know, the the interesting thing is with the the videos I've been doing over the last twelve months. Anytime these ships are mentioned, there seems to be an awful lot of interest. The the Dawn and the and the Jewel, which of course oh. is sadly not able to return to service. Um, they, they do have a very loyal following all the way back from the princess days and then, of yep. course, having operated in Australia for so long. So I think the story of a cruise ship being saved from having been sold to us, well, reportedly sold to the scrapyard and now is going to be reborn um, as, a, as the first ship in a new cruise line to offer cruising the, the British market. It's, um, it's a compelling story. So I've just basically gone into that in a little bit more detail and it will be up over the weekend. Yeah, actually, I've just realised we've got some news which I haven't put in the show notes, and I probably didn't put it in because subconsciously it's not necessarily the best news. But we probably just need to acknowledge that there have been some changes up in the Kimberley um, for this upcoming season. In that APT has had to delay its first sailing because it's really struggling to get Australian crew, and there's a new directive here in Australia that um, a certain percentage of crew on board must be Australian to operate in Australian waters. Mm. So. There's a bit of a mad dash there to try and recruit. So if you are keen to, if you're in Australia and you're keen to follow a life at sea, uh, certainly apply. There's going to be a, a, a bounty of positions available as cruising does restart down here. Yep. Um, Scenic have cancelled their entire season just because they didn't have the approval given, and to relocate the ship and the costs associated with that, they just took a, a decision to say, "No, it, time is running out. We have to have to make a call on this one." And um, a, um, Penant have also uh, just cancelled a couple of sailings and hoping to get back underway uh, towards the end of June. So yeah. not the greatest of news, but uh, that clear um, directive or the request for people to kind of get behind crews might spur the government and the officials along to, to, to make some decisions and uh, form that pathway for the resumption. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's just, um, I guess for our international listeners, I, I get questions quite a lot from people saying, you know, Australia and, and New Zealand, although we're not based in New Zealand, but the, um, mm-hmm. the, the COVID numbers are so low here. How can, how can it be possible that you're not able to, to do the domestic cruising? Now, of course, you and I are the first to say that the, um, <laughs> you know, the response in, this, these, in both countries, the stri- strict response has been one of the reasons why from going down to the shops to being able to go to the park, to that sort of thing, we, we've had a very lucky time in Australia. But at the same time, yeah. There are so many people who are reliant on travel and cruise, and it would be it would be nice to to get some indication. Um, I think I think you'd feel the same, Baz. Just just some sort of idea as to when it might actually be possible to step back on back onto a ship in some some capacity, whether that's small ship cruising or um, big yeah. ships at half. You know, one of our one of our regular guests on here, um, Emma from um, the UK, mm-hmm. she's she's off on um, MSC. Uh, next week out of out of the UK and the ship that yeah. she's going on it has a usual capacity of 6,000 for the inaugural voyages they're only having a thousand passengers on board now yeah. <laughs> I mean 
I know a thousand people is a lot of people, but can you imagine the space ratio? I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> if you don't get an upgrade on that cruise, <laughs> like that is that is remarkable. You'll have so much space and so many. Yeah. Um, uh, but that being said, of course, Baz, like you know, I think we're both realists and we know we're living in a in a pandemic, and very very grateful to be to be safe. So um, I don't want to I don't want to get the comment yeah. section on fire by saying let us let us know when we can go cruising again but it just would be nice i think for everybody in the in the industry to have some indication as to when it might take place yeah i mean i just feel for the people in the regional communities you know there's there's indigenous tour guides there's day tour operators there's jet boat operators there's helicopter pilots there's provisioners food but there's like the list goes on yeah. and on and on of people that rely on a very short season to be able to make uh, some some reasonable income yeah. And these ships are only carrying up in the Kimberley, you know, uh, less than 100 people in most instances. So uh, yep. it, it is important for, for regional communities to try and get this happening. So uh, if you can uh, support the clear um, request, then do so. The link again is in that show note there. Um, Chris, always a pleasure, mate. Thank um, you. We are out of time for, for this week's show. Um, but as we say every week, Friday will be here very quickly. Yes. And we'll have a bounty of news and maritime history once again this time next week. Yes, in just a blink of an eye, we'll be back. Thanks, Baz. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Chris. Take care. again just a quick reminder um if you want to help keep this podcast on there there's a little way that you can do it if you're familiar with patreon which other podcasters and youtubers use that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them we use something similar but we use a system called buy me a coffee um just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop very very similar although you're not physically buying me a coffee you're making a small donation and every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air and the benefit is once you have made that donation um you are then receive priority access to the podcast because if all of our supporters do receive the uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live and uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for itunes and the other podcast directories to to pick it up so if you would like uh, that priority access then the easiest way to do so is to support us via buy me a coffee you can buy one coffee you can buy two coffees you can buy 10 coffees or you can buy a whole year supply it's entirely up to you but every single uh, little donation through buy me a coffee is greatly appreciated the links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode thanks in advance that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts until next time bon voyage up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.